Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. It is the best day of the year, arguably. Opening day, 2021. Chicago White Sox will make their quest for the uh, World Series starting tonight against the Angels. I am so excited. Uh, it is honestly one of, the best, it's one of my favorite days of the year. And this year is better than most because, well, one, we have a team that's expected to compete for a World Series, which now, that doesn't come around every year, especially in Chicago. Uh, just ask Cubs fans. took them a couple hundred years. But um, usually I, it is the first time I can actually sit down and w- w- watch the full game because uh, usually when the White Sox were rebuilding, they'd be playing in the afternoon slate. Now we're in prime time, baby. It's a night game, so no class to worry about. Just going to watch it. And it's historically, too, the past couple years for opening day because we usually have a spring break, and that's one of the few good things about Bradley robbing us of our spring break is that I'm not home over spring break uh, working at the deli because I usually, you know, work at Mariano's trying to win some extra cash. And, uh, you know, you, you come home smelling like a ham sandwich. You're slicing low-quality lunch meat incorrectly all day. It's terrible. There's old people trying to send back soup, and you're like, hey, this is not where the soup goes. It's, it's, a, it's a very terrible job. Uh, but, yeah, opening day, I'd usually be working. They always schedule me for work. Uh, and, you know, you got to support the team. So I come and wear my White Sox hat because I'm always pumped every year about opening day. I've got my White Sox hat on right now. Uh, I gotta, my shirt, we're going we're gonna to break out the uh, Jose Abreu jersey later tonight. But anyway, you know, I'm at work and I got my uniform. But instead of the regular Mariano's visor, I'm wearing the White Sox hat. got to support the team. And then that would be a yearly fight with the man, like three years in a row. <laughs> gonna fight. That's not the company uniform. It's like, hey, got to support the team. I don't care. You can fire me if you want. I'm wearing the White Sox hat. Got to rep the team. Uh, but yeah, so now I'm spared from those arguments now that I'm uh, back at school and I will be enjoying watching that game tonight. It should be, it should be a good one, uh, for the White Sox as, uh, as far as the White Sox are concerned. We'll get into more about them uh, a little bit later. Uh, I watched that Kong versus Godzilla last night. Let me tell you, if you haven't seen it yet, I won't spoil it for you. That thing was a piece of crap. Don't waste your time. I've watched Bears offensive drives that have been more entertaining than that. But uh, in the spirit of opening day, let me just say this. If you're rooting for Godzilla and the, the Kong vs. Godzilla thing, then you, you, there's no hope for you. It's not American. Godzilla is some roided-up lizard. He's got the help of all these radioactive atomic nuclear shit. He, he can swim. So it's, you like him, you probably like Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire breaking the home run record. Kong's all natural. He doesn't have any superpowers. He's coming in there with brute strength. So I root for Kong. You had a roof of Kong. Why, why, why wouldn't you roof of Kong? Some roided up lizard fighting a giant monkey. You'd think they could make that entertaining. I came in with high expectations. Thought it'd be a cinematic masterpiece. It's a piece of crap. Piece of crap. You can't make a giant lizard fighting a, fighting a monkey entertaining then. I don't know. There's no hope for it. But screw Godzilla. Roided up lizard. Go Kong. He, he plays the game the right way. He plays the game the right way with integrity. Integrity. Godzilla, no integrity. Cheats. Breathing fire and stuff. Bogus superpowers. Kong doesn't have any superpowers. It's brute strength. He works out. He goes to the gym. He wakes up every morning early, and he lifts weights to get strong. Doesn't have to sit back and rely on these superpowers. Injecting atomic roids up his ass like Godzilla probably did. I don't even know Godzilla's training thing. That'd be kind of funny, though. <laughs> you see, you see the Titans training. Godzilla's in the weight room. Meanwhile, Godzilla like sneaks off in the corner, go shove like some nuclear horse tranquilizer up his ass, so he gets extra extra f- firepower on his flame, whatever the hell he does. Though with those tiny arms, he, you know, he kind of needs to do roids because without without the special powers, he he wouldn't have stand much of an advantage. He got, he got the Kong's got all the reach on. There's a strict boxing match. His powers aside, it'd be over. Plus, he's got like that tail, which is like a third arm. He's just cheating. He's cheating. He's a cheater. Godzilla's a cheater. You heard it here first. Kong did it the right way. A couple things I wanted to touch on early. I mean, well, first off, Francisco Lindor just signed a huge contract with the Mets. Uh, good, good for him. Congratulations. A 10-year, I think it was $340 million, something ridiculous like that. He's going to be getting an average around $37 million per year. Uh, it's a hefty contract for an excellent player. But um, these baseball contracts, one of these teams going to learn. Like they, The long contracts like that never really work out. 
like after like four years where he's uh you know, the Mets don't win the World Series because the Mets are gonna met they're, they're gonna be shipping him off to the Yankees like I just I mean seems a lot to me like look at Albert Pujols his contract how does that look right now Angel's still paying him it's I yeah, these big baseball contracts not a not a huge fan of and the Fernando Tatis Jr. one was insane as well. But at least with him, he's just entering his prime. Like, a lot of these big extensions. Like, I know the White Sox extended a couple guys. Eloy Jimenez, who unfortunately is going to be out for the year. Um, uh, Luis Robert, Yoan Moncada, these sort of guys. They extended a lot of them before they even reached the majors or very early on so they can get them at a cheap price. So at least if you have to move them, one, you're not eating too much salary and it makes it attractive trade candidates. Not that the White Sox are trying to trade anyone right now, but like you get you lock up your core for a long time. Or these other ones, you know, you're signing a premier player for that much, uh, and his his value is only going to probably going to go down as he increases in age. And Francisco Lindor is going to be good for a very long time, but by the you know even if he stays with the Mets that long, you're seven, eight, nine. I mean, if you're not contending, you're going to be dealing with that contract, and if his production dips, you're, you're kind of screwed. So at least with these, like, Fernando Tatis, which was way too much, I think they paid him too. It was a ridiculous contract. But he's only going to get better, so his value is going to increase over time, so you probably got him at a bargain. Right? Same with the White That's why I love what Rick Hahn does, signing all these guys early, especially for the White Sox. You know, you get them locked up long term, and uh, I know they're trying to get one done with Andrew Vaughn. They couldn't get it done. But, like, the Eloy Menes deal was genius because he hadn't played a major league game yet, so you offer them like, a contract, and you know he's going to be good. They did this with Luis Robert too. Like, Luis Robert, by all implications, is a five-star talent. Could be the next Mike Trout. You know he's going to be good. They believe in him. All indications say he's going to be great. But he hasn't played a game yet. So you can get him a pretty good deal with the negotiating thing. It's like, hey, you haven't played a game yet. We're offering you a multi-million dollar deal. It's a kid that's, you know, he's growing up. He hasn't ever had this. So of course he's going to take that deal. And then over time, as his value increases, it's going to look like a great, it's going to be a bargain buy for the White Sox. Um, so that's why, I mean, that's why I think they paid uh, Francisco Lador a little bit too much. But that market, you're Javi Baez. you got to be jumping up and down for joy because he see Francisco Lador get that huge contract. Now the pressure's on the Cubs, who... By the way, the Chicago Cubs, this is another one. Side note, too. School, what is with them hosing over all their core players from that playoff team? Like, they, if you meant a lot to that Cubs organization, they do not care. They will not pay you. John Lester, I think they did a disservice to. I think that was shameful by not he wanted to stay a Chicago Cub and wanted to retire a Cub for life. You could argue he's one of the most influential Cubs of all time because he was the first free agent to sign there after they'd been years of crap. He took the leap of faith and kind of jump-started. He turned the Cubs into a winning culture, winning organization, made some big starts for him in the postseason, and they can't offer him another deal because they're going to cut in costs. Now, Anthony Rizzo, who's been a staple for years, he's been there in the dog days in the rebuild. He's stayed through his career. He's a first baseman. Caught the final out of the World Series. And you really can't, but you're gonna lowball him. Man, that's that's ridiculous. What what a joke over there in uh, Clown Town at Wrigley. But you know what are you gonna do? Uh, let's move shift to a little NFL here. NFL draft is quickly coming. We've had a couple trades. Um, Dolphins traded out of that three spot, which is good. And I, I I like this because I know a lot of the good quarterbacks will be gone by then. And there's some people clamoring they want to replace two all the way. Sudden. Oh, let's replace two. That, that's the new hip thing. You know the quarterback doesn't pan out year one. Let's 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 jump ship and replace him. There's people calling you know for Sam Darnold too. I mean he's still young. They want to replace him because I and this is I think this is ridiculous to me. I I don't understand this. If you're gonna invest in a quarterback like early in the first round and you you know he's got talent. I mean one or two bad seasons, you shouldn't be bailing on the quarterback, especially if they they show they have talent because in the NFL. You should be able allow you, you should be allowed to work hard and get better. You can improve. There's this this thing called improvement. Believe it or not, it happens when you get a couple years of experience in your belt. You continue to work hard, practice, study. You get better. Like imagine if you know they want to bail on Tua. It's like really already. Imagine if the Bills bailed on Josh Allen his rookie year. Because I got news for you, he was worse than Tua was his rookie season. It's terrible. Turnover machine. Ten touchdowns. 12 interceptions. That's not too good. And you now look at him. MVP candidate. Flourishing. Thrived. He got better. He worked hard. He improved. Brett Favre, another one. First two seasons as a, as a full-time starter with the Packers. 37 touchdowns, 37 interceptions. That's not a great number. His, se- his second season with the Packers, 19 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. That's not great. That is not good at all. 
But you know what? He got better. Hall of Fame quarterback. I'll give you another one. Another Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning. Terrible his rookie season. Terrible. His rookie year, uh, 26 touchdowns. Pretty good. 28 interceptions. 28. He got better. They allowed him to grow and become a good quarterback. And it's the same with the Jets and Sam Darnold. It's like you haven't given Like, what did you expect? You draft him into a, with a horrible coach, that boob Adam Gase. You give him no weapons, no time to throw. What would you expect? Sam Darnold doesn't have some magic beans where he can make the Jets win. No quarterback would have thrived in that organization. You put Patrick Mahomes there, he would look the same way Sam Darnold does. Those two sw- switch spots. Like, there's only so much you can do. And they think Zach Wilson's going to be the answer. All these Dolphin fans want to get, you know, run two out of town. Two has showed some flashes. He doesn't turn the ball over. Now, is he a little cautious with it? He checks it down a lot. He, everyone's like, oh, he doesn't throw the ball downfield. It's, I, mean, I would rather have my rookie quarterback be careful with the football than not. It's a hard thing to learn. Jay Cutler could never learn. That was a big thing. He turned the ball over too much. That's a huge thing. Daniel Jones, same way. Turns the ball over too much. That's something you got to learn. He doesn't turn the ball over, which is good. Now they just got to get him to throw the ball downfield more. Get him a couple, a couple weapons. He drafted Devontae Smith. Because you saw what he could do in Alabama. It's not that he can't throw the ball downfield. He's just choosing to protect it. Give him some time. Tua could still be a good NFL quarterback. Sam Darnold could still be a good NFL quarterback. And I got news for you. Everyone's impressed with this pro day thing. The pro day is the dumbest thing. If you are, if you watch the pro day, you are a loser. I am sorry. You shouldn't want unless you're an NFL scout or like you're being paid to do it. These casual fans that are watching the Zach Wilson's pro day. Give me a break. Everyone's drooling all over his throw on Twitter. It's like what defense was he playing there? He's a D1 quarterback. Of course he's gonna have a good arm. There was videos going around. Sam Darnold didn't do the same thing in a game against an NFL defense. It's a little bit more impressive. Like, I get it was a great throw. Great throw. But there's no defense there. It's an open field. Of course he's going to have a big arm. We, we, he was a D1 college quarterback. Yeah, he can throw the ball 50-plus yards on the field. Why is everyone shocked by this? You think Sam... Like, the Jets need more help. Than, like the, the, Sam Darnold is not the problem there. I will die on that hill. I think he goes to if he, the, he goes to a place like the Broncos, you watch out. He'll show, show like Zach Wilson's not doing. Like, come on, that, that's I think he's biggest potential for. But like if you go to the the quarterbacks that's going to succeed in this draft. Number one, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence because he, he's the best quarterback process, prospect since Andrew Luck. So he will do well regardless where he goes. He will probably flourish in Jacksonville. And whoever the 49ers draft, assuming they're going to replace Jimmy G. Which you would think so because they traded up. So all signs are pointing, but apparently they they want a first-round pick at least to get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo that, that, to trade him. Um, and, you know, I like Jimmy G, too. I think he's a winner in, in this league. He just he doesn't stay healthy. But if you're going to draft a quarterback, I, I mean, that's fine. It's just, uh, you know. It, it, so the, the, I, the, the winning culture's there in San Francisco. Is what, this is a long way of saying. So there's only going to be two quarterbacks that, like, come out like, like, looking really, really good in this. So the quarterback that gets drafted to Mike Shanahan's system with that offense and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Other than that, hey, who knows? It's a toss-up. Because a lot of it's where you go. Sam Darnold, yeah, out of that, I, I stand by this too. Out of that draft class when he was drafted, he was the most talented quarterback in there. You watch that Rose Bowl with USC, some of the throws he was making. It's pretty damn impressive. But he went to the Jets. And location is everything. That's why Patrick Mahomes... And a great arm talent. He's got one of the best arms in NFL history. This is not me knocking him. But, like, he looks a lot better with the Andy Reid's offense. Like, Alex Smith looks like a pretty good quarterback, too, in that offense. So, the location is everything. Um, speaking of, you know, I, I want to go on to this, too. And I, I rip on Russell Westbrook all the time. I have been on the record. I'm saying I don't, I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I think the triple-double is an overrated stat in today's league. I think he was going out of his way to try and get triple-doubles. But, you know, he, he, he's he been putting out some nice performances recently. And Stephen A. Smith was knocking him for not being a winner in this league. And, you know, I know like everyone loves like the ring narrative. Like, oh, how many rings did he win? How many titles did he win? And, yes, I get that's important. Like, you want guys that win. But I respect Russell Westbrook, at least because he tried to build something with OKC. He wasn't going like Kevin Durant snaking out of there to build some pylon team. Like, he was committed to winning 
in OKC. And I value loyalty. Like, I, that's why I like Dame Lillard so much, because he stays in Portland. He wants to be there. He doesn't, like, pull LeBron and go bitch out, like, oh, let's, just, let's go join all my friends, make some fucking pile on teams so he can win some rings. And I know a lot of people complain about that, too. But if you're like, you're Kevin, like, so the, the, the ring narrative has got to stop with all these players, because, like, you cannot complain about a player not having rings and then simultaneously complain, like, oh, he just joined some pile-on team. It's like, well, I mean, Kevin Durant, I I understand why he did it. I hated the move, but, like, I understand why he did it because everyone's like, well, you'll never be considered as good as LeBron or one of the all-time greats. You don't have a ring. You need a ring. Doesn't matter how you get it. You got to get a ring. So he joined a pile-on team, and he's got some rings. He's like, all right, is that enough for you? And it's taint. Like, you know, not all rings are created equal, but, like, there's... The media creates this narrative. Oh, you want to be considered one of the all-time greats? Gotta have a ring. Gotta have a ring. Gotta have a ring. Like Russell Westbrook, I'm not going to hold not having a ring against him because I, I value the fact that he stayed in Oklahoma City and he tried to win there. And when he got when he moved from Houston, I know he's been bouncing around the league a little bit. That was not his fault. They traded. If you read the reports, that was all James Harden. James Harden was causing the problems there. Now, I can hold the fact that Westbrook like choked, come up small in the playoffs. You, you could do that. You could say that. But, like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, because he hasn't, he hasn't won a ring. I'm going to hold that against Like, Charles Barkley is one of the best players of all time. I don't hold the ring thing against him because he was great in the postseason. He dragged that Suns team to the finals. He's a great player. So he didn't get a ring. You know, it happens. Carl Malone, same thing. He spent most of his career. Utah Jazz. I value that. You know, he didn't win a ring. He ran into Michael Jordan. That's tough luck, but like I'm not gonna hold it. He's still one of the all-time greats in my mind. And Russell Westbrook, he he should probably go. He's gonna go down as one of the all-time great point guards. I'm not gonna hold him not getting a ring in his career against him. Like I prefer he tries to build something and stick with one team than join some pylon team. I respect that more than the guy that goes and build. And I love LeBron, but same thing. Like imagine he he would be considered on the same level as as Jordan if he if he stuck with if he stuck with the Cleveland and built something different. But you know, it's all about the rings. Which is stupid, too, because everyone's like, oh, Jordan 6-0 in the finals. It's all about the rings, and, like, Bill Russell should be highly considered. These, the media's, these media people, very hypocritical. Very hypocritical. Uh, you know, that's that's the way she goes. Um, yeah, let's get some White Sox. Let's talk some White Sox baseball now. And this, I've been looking forward to this, like I said. It's, been, it's opening day. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um... Oh, you know what? Before I get to the White Sox, we give you one more exciting thing. We had the NBA trade deadline, and we had some big, we had some big moves, and we couldn't talk about it because we finished recording last week right beforehand. I have, well, we'll put the White Sox in the back burner right now. Uh, pull up some NBA trades. First off, I, I you know Bulls made a trade uh, for uh, Vukovic, Nikola Vukovic. Great move by Arturis, wheeling and dealing. Love it. Uh, let me take it. Sorry, throat drive. Need some water. Um, oh, speaking of water, you know, the, the the war on dirty Peoria water might be over. But sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place right now. But uh, yeah, I, so we 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 called these bastards from Coligan who are trying to put us under siege. Actually, I think the food company is trying to put us under siege too. I don't know what it is. The food recently has been terrible. You might as well. We had some clam chowder down here the other day. It looked like dog food. It was disgusting. And you got that with no water with the filters. So you can't drink dirty Peoria water. Uh, you know, it, we're under siege here. No food, no water. It stinks. So we call we, we, we call Cole again. And, you know, they're trying to give us the usual runaround. And they're like, hey, we're canceling our contract. If <laughs> this thing's not here by next week. And then all of a sudden, magically, the parts showed up. Oh, yeah, 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 we'll have it in by Monday. So fingers crossed. Hopefully by next week the, the war will be over. It's amazing what you do when you threaten to, oh, all of a sudden you want to cancel the contract. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll bring in the water mercy. Anyway, sorry. Bouncing off the plate. But the Bulls, yeah. They get Nikola Vukovic, which I, I really like. I think what Arturis was signaling was he was clearly not happy with some of the guys on the roster. Uh, and no no one is safe. It doesn't matter first-round draft pick or not. He's trying to build a winner here. He does not care. He's like, hey, Wendell Carter, you're not getting the job done. No problem trading you. Out of Porter, see a bad contract from the Gar Pack. So these Gar Packs era players... Better watch out. If I'm Kobe White, I would I would shit myself in the trade deadlines. Like, oh Jesus, am I next? Which I'm glad they didn't get rid of Kobe. I think I'm a big Kobe White guy. I think he could be a good. The worst case scenario is a great spark plug off the bench. He could be like a Lou Williams type scorer. But I think he could still develop into be an NBA point guard. You know, he he shows some flashes of brilliance. He's having a bad year, quote unquote, and he's averaging 15 points a game. So what does that tell you? He's, he, he can score, which I, I like. But uh, so the the Vukovic trade, I think, was a that that was a great move from the Bulls. 
trying to build a winner. And now with those two pieces, you got Zach Levine and Vukovic. And Zach Levine, this is the first time he's played with an elite big man in his career as like kind of the superstar. We're not in cloud, we're not including Carl Anthony Towns in his early T Wolves days, but um, the pick and roll game could work. Good two-man game. And Vukovic has looked impressive these, these first couple games. Daniel Tice, another guy the Bulls got. Defender they needed. Gritty. I don't know why the Celtics traded him, to be completely honest. He did a lot of little things right. His numbers don't jump off the page, but he blocks shots. He'll take a charge. He's gritty down there. And they set screens, which I love. It opens up the cell. And the results haven't been there yet for the Bulls, but I, I think those are two good moves. And now, you know, you're just, you're a destination for free agents. You got two legitimate stars, two all-stars on that team. Promising young core with White and Williams. You can build off that. Great head coach. I'm a free agent. I'm looking like, oh, all right. Chicago's looking pretty good now. So great move for them. Signal they're all in on winning. And I like the fact that they're not tanking because knowing the, the players in the roster don't care about the draft position. If you're building that culture where you're like you're tanking for the first round pick and you're trying to lose games, like that's just no good for anyone. I like teams that build a winning culture and try to win and the teams try and learn how to win because once you make the postseason once, it makes it a lot easier the next time you're there when you're expected to. So especially for the young guys. I think that I like that move. A lot. Uh, some of the other moves around the league, uh, Aaron Gordon uh, was for the Nuggets. That was great. I think you're the Nuggets. You're signaling like, hey, Jokic and Murray, we want you to stick around. We're going to try and get you guys some help and really make a push. I think that's a legit contender now. I, I really do. Aaron Gordon, another athletic-type player, uh, which I think that was a good move. The Miami Heat, the Oladipo trade, was something I think they needed to do to stay relevant. Let's be honest. I think the whole bubble heat thing was a big fluke. Like that team was not as good as they showed. They played their ass off. I love the Heat. Good team. Not NBA championship quality team. So if they wanted to stay relevant, especially right now with the Nets, the way they're playing, they need to make that. They needed to make that move. Uh, so I, I like the Old Depot one. I, Old Depot, I've always been a fan of his game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he pairs with Jimmy Butler. But they both like to play defense. So that is good. Um, I, that, that, that was a great move. Uh no no Kyle Lowry trade. I know the Lakers were interested. Don't think that was the right move. I would not have given up a ton of big pieces for Kyle Lowry at this point in his career. I think he's on the back nine of his career, and uh, he should he should finish his career with the Raptors. He's meant to be a Raptor. I'm not giving up a bunch of valuable assets. Like I know they wanted to give up like KCP and a couple picks. Like, I, I would have kept KCP. I think he's playing really well right now. So I, I, I wouldn't have given up a ton of assets for Kyle Lowry either. Uh... Clippers made a move. Rajon Rondo, I don't think, puts him over the top. It was a nice addition. They needed a point guard. He's going to be on, uh, you know, he's not afraid to call guys out. We saw that when he was at the Bulls. And for his one season, that was a disaster there. He's yelling at Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. So, you know, uh, Kawhi and uh, Paul George get a little lazy, as they tend to do. They want to take some nights off. And Rondo's going to be in their ear. But he's a great point guard. You saw how valuable he was to the Lakers. That was a good move. But I said they needed to make one big splash to really put this team over the top, try and get another superstar. I don't think Rondo is that guy that really puts him over the top. But with the LeBron injury now and the AD injury, and you're missing a lot of time to build some chemistry, and LeBron likes to crank it up near the back half of the season and get rolling into the playoffs, that's going to be tough. So that's going to kind of leave that leaves the door open for some teams now really puts a wrinkle in their plans. So we will see. But I think, if anything, I think that benefits. I think the Nuggets right now, like, really good. Uh, I I think that would probably be the Clippers' stiffest competition. Meanwhile, the Nets just running away with things. They, they added a couple pieces uh, at the deadline. Uh, they obviously, they, they picked up Blake Griffin, Marcus Aldridge. You know, uh, so they're, <laughs> they're stockpiling talent. Uh, but they were right. Everyone was like, oh, oh yeah, and Blake Griffin just building the super team. It's like, well, everyone was talking about how bad Blake Griffin was, and he said this quote, too. I completely agree with him. A couple weeks ago, everyone was saying how bad he is. Now they're like, oh, he joins this team of all-stars over here. So uh, what are you going to do? But the Nets probably right now, that's probably my title favorite. <laughs> and it pains me to say, because that would mean I was wrong about them because they don't play defense, and that doesn't translate. So we will see in the playoffs how it translates. But, um that's going to be a tough out. It's going to be a tough out. Uh, we we shall see. Uh, but, yeah, no, exciting, exciting news at the deadline. All right, now let's talk some White Sox baseball here. Uh, just MLB in general. If you didn't listen to it yet, you should listen to the High Heater podcast on Unhinged. I, I, I was on the show there. We'll get, you get even more in-depth 
the whole MLB uh, in general. Uh, so definitely check that out uh, on Unhinged. Uh, that 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 was a great show we recorded Sunday. Uh, but as far as strictly White Sox, because you know I'm a big White Sox guy, we'll get into it here. A uh, couple interesting stories. Well, first off, tonight opening day. Tony LaRusse is going to be in the dugout for the White Sox. Uh, much to the dismay of many White Sox fans, including myself, was not too happy we hired him. Uh, but uh, the reason he's in the dugout, big reason, is going to be one of the guys in the opposite dugout, and that's uh, that's Albert Pujols. Surprisingly, Albert Pujols, this came out yesterday, played a huge role in recruiting Tony LaRusse to the White Sox. Because when the White Sox called Tony LaRusse, they're interested in giving him the job. Reinsdorf made it clear he wanted to give him the job. Tony was a little hesitant about taking it, so he called. Albert Pujols, they had a great relationship when the two were in St. Louis together, won two World Series titles. Albert Pujols even went on the record saying, yeah, I can, Tony La Russa is like a father to me. So it was like kind of a flip side. Uh, Albert Pujols is in the middle of enjoying his offseason. Uh, you know, that's one of the benefits of being with the Angels. The offseason comes early every year. You don't have to play any playoff baseball. So he was in the golf course in October. Tony La Russa calls him. He's like, hey, I'm thinking about taking this White Sox job. What do you think? And Albert Pujols gave the White Sox rave reviews. Young core. He was very excited about him. Put in the good word. And then Tony La Russa was also concerned, and this was one of my concerns too, uh, like how he would play in the dugout, considering the fact he's an old alcoholic that hasn't managed in nearly a decade. <laughs> Six years old. Not to be ageist here. I think age is just a number. But, uh. He, that, that, that's a legit concern, especially when you fire a guy in Rick Renteria, which say what you want about his managing style. He was pretty beloved in the clubhouse overall. I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys liked him, but, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, what Pujol said to him was like, Hey, if I was a young player coming to this league and I had a hall of my hall of fame manager, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic. And so far, the White Sox players, Jose Abreu said he's bought in as one of the best camps he's been a part of since he'd come into the majors, which is, says a lot, kind of a, 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 a subtle shot at Rick Renteria and uh, uh, Robin Ventura. But um, speaking of Robin Ventura, this, this blew my mind the other day. One of the guys in a fraternity uh, used to caddy for Robin Ventura, said he was a dick. So we'll have to get him on and tell some stories. There. <laughs> that was I thought that was kind of funny too. White Robin Ventura, one of the best White Sox third baseman of all time. Not a very good manager though. Apparently he wanted to quit before the 2016 season after the whole Drake LaRoche, Adam LaRoche debacle, and Chris Sale had to like talk him out of it. He was like, "No, no, you got to you got to you got to manage the team." <laughs> Shows you how uh, into it he was with them. That season was doomed. But yeah, so it's an interesting side note from Tony Larusa there, but. As far as this White Sox team in general, enough of the side stories there, I think this is a very good team, and if you're a White Sox fan, the expectation should at least be this team should win the American League. Uh, and obviously, you want them to win the World Series, but with the Dodgers and that roster, clearly the best team in baseball, that is a tough task. Uh, and the NL is overall a lot deeper than the American League, I think. Right now, the White Sox' biggest obstacle, uh, besides the Twins in their division, I, I would say the Yankees uh, would be a pretty pretty big one. But I think the White the White Sox got a deeper pitching staff, top to bottom. You start off Lucas Giolito; he's going to be getting the ball tonight for opening day. Bone Friday, threw a no hitter. Was All Star the year before. He's he's exuding confidence. Uh, he knows he's good now. And that's the dangerous with the mixture that that changeup he's got with the fastball and Ethan Katz is the pitching coach who really turned it around for him to begin with. He's going to be deadly. Dallas Keuchel, another one, knows how to win in the big leagues. I think last year, to be completely honest, the the numbers were a bit deceiving. He had a sub two ERA, Cy Young votes. He was very good, but he didn't pitch deep into ball games a lot. A lot of times he'd be leaving after the fifth, sixth inning. It was very rare you'd see him make it to the seventh or eighth, or rarely at all. So, I mean, it was a, he had a very good season. I'd like to see him go a little bit deeper. I think those numbers are a little skewed, but it's still a Gold Glove winner, multiple Gold Glove winner, a World Series champion, and a former Cy Young who's coming off a great year last year. That's a great number two. A lot of teams, Dallas Keuchel will be your ace. And then number three, you got Lance Lynn, who I think Lance Lynn right now, I would put him as the two in the rotation. Obviously, he's just coming over from Texas. Hey, that guy's going to eat up innings. He was a beast during spring training. I love his game. Scrappy guy. Throw that. The, the top three in road, the, those top three pitchers, I will put up against any rotation in baseball's top three. Even the Padres, Blake Snell, you Darvish. Uh... You go Lamette, I guess, Paddock. I don't know who you want to throw a three for the Dodgers. Probably Paddock will be in the three. But I, I'll I'll take the White Sox in any playoff series against any of those guys. Now, 4-5 gets a little interesting, but Dylan Cease, big fan of him. 
whale of a spring training. The ball was firing out of his hand. His curveball looks sharp. Ethan Katz has done a number on him, but he's one of the, I think, pure stuff-wise, best stuff in the rotation. I remember I watched his debut and watching him warm up in the bullpen. He's got some nasty movement on everything. Lights up the radar gun. Has the ability to throw at triple digits if he wants. He rarely does, but he's got the ability to. A sharp curveball. So if he can locate his fastball, which he did a great job of this spring, I truly believe, this is going to sound like a hot take, the man is capable. He could get some Cy Young votes if he pitches the way he did this spring. He's that good. And now the pressure... He's not he doesn't have as much pressure as he's had because there's three aces ahead of him. Where like last year he was expected to be the third guy. And a lot of people are bailing on Dylan Cease, but it's like it's the same thing I was talking about with the quarterbacks. Like you can have two bad seasons. like you can have a couple bad seasons. You can grow and get better. And he's only had he hasn't had thirty starts in the majors under his belt yet. You're the man time. He is going to flourish with the White Sox. Very excited for him. And number five, the number five starter, usually the worst starter on the team. Uh, this one, Carlos Rodon, for former first-round draft pick, got non-tendered by the White Sox this year, was pissed off. They re-signed him. And he was on the record saying, like, I don't know if I really wanted to re-sign with them because they just non-tendered me. But he's like, this is a place for me. He, I think Ethan Katz has helped him, too. Ethan Katz is a wizard, man. That was a great hire by the White Sox because he's looked great in spring training. I know it's just spring training. Numbers don't count. The games don't count. But uh, the eye test doesn't lie. You see the ball coming out of his hand. He looks good. He's getting his lower body more involved. I think it'll take some stress off that left arm because that's been the biggest thing with him is just all the injuries uh, with Carlos Rodon. But, you know, he's got the injury things are behind him. He looks healthy, and he's ready to go. That's a deep rotation. And if he doesn't work out, you still got Michael Kopech in the bullpen and Garrett Crochet in the bullpen, who both are tabbed to be starters. Michael Kopech, he hasn't pitched in two years, uh, so they're trying to ease him back into it. But you would assume they build him up, and he'll be ready to go. Probably he'll get in some starts later this year. Very excited about that. That's just the starting rotation. You also get the bullpens they are going to be the best bullpen in baseball. No doubt in my mind. Like, they might have a sub-2 ERA overall. Like, top to bottom, you look at these guys. It's ridiculous. Liam Hendricks, the, the closer. Damn, the best reliever in baseball by MLB Network. Yeah, I'll take that. Ninth best reliever in baseball was Aaron Bummer. Left-hander from Nebraska. Shout out to the Cornhuskers. Uh, he, his slider, Ethan Katz called, who's a pitching coach for the White Sox, by the way. I know, I keep mentioning him. Uh... He said is the, the most impressive thing he's ever seen in his life. In his life. I'm sure he's vacationed to the Grand Canyon. He spends a lot of time in Arizona. He said he's, he's claiming Aaron Baldwin Slider. Slider of the Grand Canyon. That's how impressive it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that going for you. That's your eighth inning guy. And then, oh, by the way, he also got a line of two guys on Garrett Crochet, uh, Crochet uh, and Michael Kopech, both throwing under a, over 100 miles an hour. Then he got... Uh, Evan Marshall, who's been great for the White Sox these past two years, sub-three-year ERA. Uh, Cody Hoyer, Matt Foster, electric arms, too. They look great, especially Cody Hoyer, who could be a closer for a lot of other major league teams with his stuff. That's an electric bullpen. Electric. The White Sox have a lead after the sixth inning. Forget it. They're, they're winning that game nine times out of ten. They're going to win the game. You heard it here first. White Sox after six innings, lead. They're going to win. Uh, and then you go to the offense, and now I know Eloy, he gets hurt, and he's going to be out for a while, just had his surgery this week, uh, they don't know when he's going to be back, if at all he's going to be back, they don't know if season injury, best case scenario, he's back by September, uh, but with the other pieces in the lineup, I think they can overcome that, you're probably going to get it, I mean, the, if Leary Garcia's playing left, you're getting a defensive upgrade in left field, and Leary can hit still, he's hit 270, over 270 or higher his past three seasons. So it's not like he's some scrub out there. He can handle the bat. Obviously, he's not a 40-home run guy like Eloy is. But you still have Jose Abreu, last year's MVP. Most underrated hitter in baseball. Love Jose Abreu. Great player. And you got Yoan Moncada, clear to the COVID. People are saying he could be an MVP candidate this season. Luis Robert, still got to see what he can do. Mike Trout-like, they call him. Gasmani Grandal, one of the best catchers in baseball. Nick Madrigal doesn't strike out. Tim Anderson, AL batting champ. Yeah, you got some heavy hitters. There's some boppers there. And Zach Collins, their backup catcher, he's going to be getting the start tonight at DH. Uh, he had a great spring, too, another first-round pick. He's got some pop. He was great in AAA Charlotte last year. 
Yeah, overall, I, I know the Eli thing hurts, but I mean, that's a, this is a team that's they should win the division. They should win the division. They should win the American League. That's got to be the expectation. If they do not win the American League this year, I will consider this season a failure. Like last year was make the playoffs. They made that. We're good. Now, you're winning the AL. That's the that's a step up. Ooh, just coming in. Josh Donaldson just got hurt. Boy, you hate to see that. But if he's hurt, then the White Sox really have a step have. Ooh, he just let, yeah, out of the game. Hope. Uh, you hate to see that, but uh, Donaldson's a very injury from now. That's too bad. Too bad. Hate to see it. Do a couple quick ad reads here. Uh, MLBshop.com. Get your opening day cap. Get a White Sox cap. Get a great jersey there. They're also uh, their 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 host site is Fanatics, who's partnered with us. So you go to Fanatics.com, uh, or you can use the link in our uh, bio on Twitter. We got a link tree there. You go to Fanatics, and they will kick a portion whatever you buy to the Unhinged Sports Network, which uh, you might be listening to us on. Uh, we got a new time slot Wednesdays at uh, five o'clock. But um, yeah, you can catch us on there. And if you want to support the network, get some new gear. If you plan on getting new gear anyway, use our link, please. We would really appreciate it. And uh, they will. They helps. It helps support the network. You don't even have to pay pay any extra. If you're thinking, hey, I want a new jersey, why not just go to the link on our uh, Twitter at Dorm Room Dispute? You'll see the link in the link tree bio. And yeah, you just buy that jersey, and then you're supporting our podcast too. It's a win-win. Why wouldn't you do? No brainer. No brainer. It's like bringing Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning of a one-run game. No brainer. Why wouldn't you do? Uh, other sponsor, Fubo TV. Another no-brainer. Who needs cable? Why, why, why cable? You just get why, why cable when you get your Fubo TV and a free 14-day trial. Once again, use the link. You know the drill. We say it every week. Fubo TV. Great name, too. Fubo. Fun to say. I don't know why. I always think of soccer when I hear Fubo TV. Sounds like a soccer channel. Yeah, what do I know? Uh, <laughs> and then, finally, uh, Prime Time Sports Talk, your go-to source for uh, gambling advice, fantasy advice, sports advice in general. They got some great articles on there. We Are Podcast just got added to it. So, uh, yeah, Primetime Sports Talk. Go there. We now bring in fellow White Sox fan uh, and our uh, associate here on the podcast, uh, Patrick Cushman. Uh, so, Pat, you excited for opening day here today? I just watched Miguel Cabrera hit a home run in the snow. It was kind of great. Fans are back. I'm excited. White Sox could be the 2021 World Series champions. Uh, how how are you feeling about the ball club this year? I'm definitely uh, feeling good about this season, Mitchell. It's great to see fans back um, in every stand. Um, it's not a full crowd, um, but it's something hopefully we'll have full crowds by the summer. I hope to be... Um, um, in the stadium this summer. Um, and so that should be exciting. But the White Sox, I believe, are going to be very good. Um, obviously, the injury to Jimenez really does hurt. Um, it doesn't only hurt this season, but it hurts, I think, his progress moving forward. The White Sox, they do have a very good rotation. Um, their bullpen is very solidified, especially with the addition of Liam Hendrick. Um, and their overall um, lineup. Um, is very good. They have a lot of power. That Tim Anderson, um, batting title winner the last two years, I believe. Um, Jose Abreu, who won MVP. And you have Robert, um, Moncada, and Yasmani Grandal, um, along with a guy, Nick Madrigal, who I think um, is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. So I think they got, have a good roster. I definitely think they're a playoff team. They should be. I, my my sentiment was like last year. I was if they made the playoffs, it would be a success. Uh, this year, it's you. You better be in the ALCS, or I think they can win it. Honestly, if you look at the American League overall, the Yankees are your biggest stepping stone. Uh, the Twins are kind of close there, but Josh Donaldson just got hurt today. I, there's no reason they can't beat them. I think they're a more talented teams. If they're, if they're, American, I think it's an American League uh, championship or bust. Do you, do you think that the expectations a little bit too high, or do you think that's reasonable? I wouldn't say World Series and bust. I, I still like think AL, like team. make the World Series. Like because the Dodgers are tough, but like win the American League. No, I, I still don't think they're at that level. I think um, you win, you, you win the division, and 
you want to make the ALCS, but you know there's a lot of good teams. Uh, I think I think New York eventually. Um, I think they're due um, to win something this year. Um, so I think they're eventually going to win the American League. But I think that they can give a lot of teams, you know, a run for their money. Um, I think the Twins are also a very good team. So that will be interesting on how um, that will go down the stretch um, in that division. And it'll really show um, this kind of Larusa hiring um, if he can get these guys mentally prepared for a long season. A hundred, uh, I think it got thrown to what, 150? 62. Yeah, but didn't they shorten the season 100 to 150? Did they? I did not oh, hear that's this. Right. Maybe they did. Uh... Well, anyway, it's going to be a lot longer than 60 game season. Yes. Um, and so, you know, they're going to have this battle for um, they're going to have this battle with um, the Twins all along, and we'll see if the manager is able to inspire this team to have that down the stretch. But I don't think it's World Series or bust for the White Sox. They're still young. They still have a lot of years in their window left. And a lot of these guys, like Robert, haven't you know totally developed yet. So I think that it's not World Series or bust, but definitely they do need to have a strong season. Um, and if they don't, you know, some questions need to be asked. It is for the it is still a hundred and sixty two game uh, season this year. Now I will. No, so you mentioned they, they talked about this. I think they did discuss shortening. I did hear that uh, during the off season. They're sticking with it. Now I did. Now uh, you mentioned Tony Larusa, and I talked about this before you came on about how you know he he's a smart guy. So when he got the he, he wanted to take the job, obviously Reinsdorf offered it to him, but he realized like, look, I am a seventy six year old. Uh, alcoholic booze bag that uh, you know hasn't managed nearly a decade. Maybe not the alcoholic part, but like, how am I going to play in the clubhouse? Like, do you think these guys are going to accept me? Uh, and so far, it's gotten pretty good reviews. But uh, what? How do you think Tony Larusa? What are your expectations for him this season? How do you think the clubhouse will react? And do you think you know at his age, not to be ageist, you know, he's but he's seventy six, and it's a lot of games. Uh, how do you think he holds up over the course of the season? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, they don't give him enough credit that he's due. Um, in fact, you know, Tony Russa is one of the best managers in baseball history. Um, he's in that conversation, at least. I, I would, you know, um, he um, sort of revolutionized what the modern bullpen is today. Yep. Um, and, you know, he, he he's won. And he's won at almost all levels of baseball. Um, so you can't discredit him for that. Um, and the criticism is, you know, this is a very, you know, diverse team. And Tony LaRussa is a more conservative, older guy. Um, the fact of the matter is, Spanish is his first language. Um, and so I think he's able to resonate with those guys at least a little bit. He grew up, um, in South Florida, um, and his parents were immigrants. So he does kind of, he still does kind of have that Latino, Hispanic kind of, connection with them um so i really do think that this is and this is a team that you know this is this isn't a rebuilding team anymore this is a team that's going to go that is going to push for the playoffs and, th- and you need a you know rick Renteria. yeah he was great he was fun you know he pushed them to play hard but when it comes down to it is he gonna win you golf ball games um is he gonna push you over the top and make you guys winner i really don't think so tony Larusa, though on the other hand is he's proven it um, and I really do think that the expectation is that he's going to turn this team into, you know, from scrappy rebuilders and developing and learning into certified winners. And that's what the White Sox need right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, as much as I make fun of them on here, and I was, I, I'll be the first to admit, I was not a fan of the move when it was first announced. I didn't think it made sense. But, yeah, you know, he's won, he's a World Series, multiple time World Series champion. He's won, I think, what, three total? A Hall of Fame manager. Uh, he right. knows what he's doing, and he's he's never going to be outmanaged, especially late in the games. And you mentioned the bullpen aspect; he really did modify how the bullpen's used, and he has the best bullpen in baseball at his disposal this season. So uh, he knows how to win. I think he'll be prepared. Uh, so I think I can see this thing working out. I've been warming up to him, is from what I've heard from the players. The, the players seem to be responding well, and uh, I know he is a great baseball mind, so that should be good. Now I will say that going back to the fans thing, and I've been looking at White Sox tickets. There are a lot. That's the one draw 
drawback with the, the limited capacity and the White Sox being good is the tickets are a lot more expensive. I just went, I, I bought some seats for a, a game in a couple weeks, but it, nosebleed seats are kind of expensive, and now we don't have the luxury. You know, we always did the old uh, the $7 special. You get the set, cheap $7 seats. They don't really care where you sit. You sneak down to the lower level, and you're catching a game for, for 7 bucks. But uh, I think those days might be over now. They have the heightened security with the uh, the tickets and, like, the section thing. It's a lot stricter. Right. Um, well, they said that everyone, um, you know, will have vaccinations hopefully by the summer. They said, I think by the end of May, everyone will have access to being vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow on Friday, um, the Johnson & Johnson one shot. Um, um, so, you know, hopefully by summer, June, July, you know, hopefully they are able to um, open it up totally. I know Illinois is one of those states who might be a little bit more reluctant, but even the governor said that people who are vaccinated may not count towards capacity restrictions. Um, and kind of this bridge to normalcy. Um, so that would be very interesting to see. I know the Chicago Fire MLS team, they're moving the first half of their season from Soldier Field back to their old stadium, which is now called CT Stadium, um, for the first half of their season because Chicago didn't want people in Soldier Field. So they're moving back to um, Bridgeview um, and kind of an awkward move. But we'll see by the summer. Um, and hopefully with more capacity, the prices do go down. I would hope so. All right, I'm going to put one. I'll give you a, I'll give you one right in your wheelhouse here, a little little, little, little meatball for opening day. Um, we had our NASCAR. We talked about Daytona 500 a couple weeks ago, and my big bold prediction, I guess, for the NASCAR season uh, was Bubba Wallace would win a race. So far, he's not done so. Uh, what would you say? I mean, you go, state of my prediction. How does he look so far? Because you've watched more than I have. But uh, from what I've heard, eh, he's not doing too well. No, he hasn't. Um, and, you know, uh, this is a newer team. You know, a new crew chief, driver combo. I think they, they have worked together in the past. But, um, you know, they are just not getting it done. Um, they had a good run at Las Vegas a few weeks ago, but a bad kind of pit call um, brought him back. But he has zero top tens. Right now he's on the outside looking into the playoffs, the playoffs, which, you know, he should be in that conversation. Um, he's only one spot ahead of the driver that, you know, ended up taking his old job in the 43. Um, and so he has not had a good run. He did have a good run at the Bristol Dirt Series. And by the way, I must say, NASCAR's innovation of bringing dirt back and trying to get all these fans back in the stands um, has been really tremendous. And I really do think that, you know, the racing product now is so much better than what it was. And I really do, um, I really do appreciate NASCAR trying to incorporate dirt, um, more road courses, more short, um, short track races into the schedule. Um, it's much more exciting. Um, I will say this um, about NASCAR. Mike Joy needs to stop calling um, Fox's NASCAR Race Hub program the hub. Every time he, every weekday on Fox Sports, he says the hub is on, and he can't. He needs to stop saying that. And I don't think he realizes what the hub actually is. Um, he needs to stop. Yeah. He needs to. Stop. Someone needs to tell him. <laughs> you'll see the promo. You'll see the promo. And every weeknight on FS1, the hub, um, you know, featuring you know Joey Logano, um, David Brig, and Parker Klingerman. They are on every weekend, every weekday on Fox Sports. And he, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see Joey Logano on the hub, uh, but yeah, right. <laughs> it's a trademark. Yeah, well. Yeah, they might they they might need to come up with a new name for that one. Let's go NFL draft. We talked some quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. They've had some pro days. I think pro days are stupid. I think people that watch the pro day, unless you're getting paid for it or you're a scout, you're kind of a loser. Uh, but um, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, that um, Mac Jones is moving up in the ranks. A lot of people like him. Uh, Zach Wilson. People were impressed with his pro day. We did this a couple weeks ago. We'll ask you again. Uh, who do we quarterback power rankings? I got, I got my, I like, the, I, I know who I got right now uh, in, in mind, but uh, the quarterbacks that will probably go in the first round. 
Who do you who do you like uh, right now? If you had to rank them in order, um, well, Trevor Lawrence has undisputed number one. Yep, yep. Um, I think he's the most talented prospect coming out of college since. Even I think he's even better than Andrew Luck, more hype than Andrew Luck was. I mean, this kid was you know going to be the first overall pick once he graduated high school. Um, so uh, Trevor Lawrence, undisputed number one. Number two, I have to say. Um, Zach Wilson um, from BYU. Um, I think I, I think he's a very dynamic player, um, and uh, I think he's. You know, I've heard a lot about the Jets and what they're going to do, and they haven't traded Sam Darnold yet, but they're saying they're close. But they're saying they can't get much. But if you don't trade Sam Darnold, I just I don't know. I would not go if I was the Jets. I'd stick around with Darnold for one more year, um, possibly two next year's quarterback class isn't the best. Um, but back to the quarterback rankings, number three, uh, I, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. Um, he's a proven winner. He's, you know, been second best to Trevor Lawrence ever since they're coming out of high school. These guys are blue, have been blue chip prospects. Um, and they, they're talented. And, you know, we saw what Justin Fields was against Clemson. You know, he was, he, he outplayed Trevor Lawrence to be quite honest. So I think he's number three. Um, and number four, I'm taking Trey Lance. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience, um, even at a smaller program like North Dakota State, but he's electric. Um, but I also do think that he too is the most likely to be a bust just because of his lack of experience. Um, and if he goes to a wrong team, he doesn't fit his team, um, and has, you know, kind of a tumultuous relationship like we've seen with Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, I think that too, um, that he could be a bust because of that. And number five, Mac Jones. But I do want to make the point is, is that there are, you know, around four or five quarterbacks taken in most drafts, right? And not everyone, you know, works out. Um, you know, Josh Rosen never worked out. Um, you know, Tua, you know, people are on the fence about him still. Um, so we'll see. I think there's going to be one or two guys that, you know, aren't probably first round worthy. I think one of them bust. And then one of them, you know, is, you know, average to below average. Um, and then I think there's only really two that become really good quarterbacks. Um, and I think that's going to be um, Trevor Lawrence and someone else. I, I really haven't seen enough in anyone to prove that yet. But, you know, there there is going to be a bust within these five quarterbacks. Um, that's just, that's just you know, how it goes. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting what happens on draft day with these um, trades and stuff. I think San Francisco is so bold, um, you know, to – Straight up to the third overall pick, um, and that means they're drafting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think, um, and this, you know, everyone's saying, okay, well, you know, Wilson and Lawrence are going to be off the board, so they're going to take Lance Fields or Mac Jones. And you know, I, I really don't believe the Mac Jones type. I don't think you take Mac Jones at three. I just don't see how you do that. No, especially trading up. Yeah. Like you probably could get them. Like I don't know where. Yeah, nine. I think I, you could have yeah. gotten him there, but if that was truly their guy, yeah, I yeah, I, I just don't see the Mac Jones hype at three. Um, you've heard about the other guys, but I think that maybe they are, and they could not be. I could be totally wrong. I think maybe they think the Jets maybe aren't taking Zach Wilson, and they're able to snag Jack, Zach Wilson at three. Maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. It's a theory. Um, a lot of people will probably say I'm crazy for it, but maybe the Jets stick with Sam Darnold and they take a guy like Kyle Pitts at two. Um, yeah. We don't know. I We've seen crazier things happen. Um, I think that could be one. But if they do, I really don't know who their guy would be. I would assume um, it could be a, it could be Trey Lance, you know. Um, we'll have to see. It's, um, it's going to be a very crazy and exciting um, NFL draft. I think Trey Lance would be good with like if he went to San Francisco. I th- I could see him succeeding there because they already have a great foundation in place. Uh, so that would help him because, like you said, he's very inexperienced. So he's gonna need some help. Like the talent's there, but it's all about where he goes. If I had to do my rankings, I go Lawrence obviously number one for all the reasons you named. Um, number two, I'm actually going. I'm going Justin Fields, and I think Justin Fields is kind of the Deshaun Watson of this draft. I, I know he went to Ohio State, which is a good program, but he's played in big games and he's proven he can win. 
So the fact that no good Ohio State quarterback, like there's never been a good quarterback out of Ohio State in the NFL, like I don't give a rat's ass about that. That doesn't say anything. Like I saw all I needed to see in the Clemson game. The guy can play. Um, now we we uh, we had the Northwestern coach on here talking about how hard it was to prepare for him. I think he's a great athlete. You know, if he goes to Carolina, which some people are saying, I think he would do really well there. So I like him at number two. I know he's a little undersized, but so is Kyler Murray. So much talent's talent. Uh, number three, I'm going Trey Lance. Uh, just because of the the raw talent, the only reason I don't have him is two is like you said the lack of experience there. But I think if he goes to San Francisco, which I I think that's who they're gonna take. I don't think they're dumb enough to take Mac Jones and trade up for him. I think they go Trey Lance, um, and then I go Zach Wilson uh, number four. I think Zach Wilson's a little overrated. I think he's got a little bit of bust written all over him, uh, and you know he was great in college, which is nice, but he's a little undersized. He's not super athletic. I think he go to the Jet. He goes to the Jets. That's like a, a less muscular version of Sam Darnold. Like Sam Darnold's a stronger, more athletic guy. Like if Sam Darnold couldn't win there, it's not like that Zach uh, or Wilson's going to be able to do anything there with the same same roster. So I, I think that would be a wasted pick personally. And then yeah, like I said, I got Mac Jones number five. Everyone was so impressed with this pro day. And yes, it was a good throw, but it's like. Your D1 college quarterback, yeah, he can throw over 50 yards. It's not that impressive when there's no defense there. Like, I'm sorry. I was. I, I think he, people are putting way too much stock into that one throw they saw him make on Twitter. And so now he's moving up everyone's draft board. But you you look at like one of the biggest games he had against Coastal Carolina this year, he didn't play all that well. And he's not in a big conference. It's kind of He's not going to be as bad as Trubisky, but I think that's kind of like a little bit of a Trubisky-ish pick. He's a better version of Mitch Trubisky. Well, that's, yeah, uh, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, coming into college football, I mean, I coming into this season, I had really never heard of who Zach Wilson is. Um, you know, it was kind of this, we got, everyone knew Lawrence was going to be number one, and then Justin Fields was kind of the assumed second, right? And then, um, you know, Kyle Trask was very hyped up. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones wasn't seen as, he was seen as a fringe prospect. And he kind of reminds me a lot of, like Joe Burrow, um, in the sense that, you know, he wasn't an NFL prospect until his senior year. And um, and I think that both Burrow and Mac Jones have a similar ceiling, of which will never really be, you know, uh, Marino, Aaron Rodgers kind of talent. But their, their ceiling is a very good starter in the NFL. And, you know, a very good starter can win you some things. Um, but they're not – I don't think either one of them are going to be superstars. Um, but, yeah, Zach Wilson, going back to him, has kind of been climbing the draft back, um, especially within the past two months. Um, and so he's kind of seen as an undisputed number two now. It's gotten to that point, really, um, for the most part. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have been saying what you're saying, Mitchell, is that, you know, he kind of – you know, he falls short in a lot of different things, but um, but he also does look electric. He does also have kind of that X factor that you need as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like him. I think I think he's going to do well. I see a lot of Justin Herbert in him. Um, but, you know, we'll see, Mitchell. We'll see. This will be very exciting. And to be honest, you know, out of everyone in the Twitterverse and everyone on Facebook, um, none of the – we. Uh, people as fans don't really know. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, they, they, can, they can listen to the experts. They can listen to the scouts. But us ourselves, you know, we're not at these pro days. You know, we don't know. I mean, there's a reason why we're here, and we're not in the front office of an NFL franchise. And that goes for everyone. And it's because we do not know as much as them. And so they know more than us. Um, and they can make – and you know what? They, they get re- wrong, too, sometimes. But they have more educated guesses and stuff. Um, and so we don't really know what we're going to get. Um, and to a certain extent, they don't know what they're going to get. Um, so it'll be interesting how it plays out. Um, we'll see. I, I think what the Jets do is going to be kind of indicative of how, um, of kind of where they're going as a team. Um, we'll see, though. I still really like Kyle Pitts. I think he's the best player in the draft. Um, and a lot of people have him falling down to like six and seven. Um, which I think would be if you get him at six or seven, I think that's I think that's great. Because um, if you don't need a quarterback, I think Kyle Pitts is the guy you go to. Right. Um, but San Francisco doesn't need him. Um, but you know we'll see. I think yeah, and I think that'll be the biggest thing too. I think Zach Wilson he went to if 
he somehow ended up in San Francisco, then he'd be successful there. But you're right. We don't know. Half the time, hell, the front office people don't even know. It's always it's always a gamble with these college quarterbacks. All right, final, final thing before I let you go here. Uh, if you're the Houston Texans GM, you got all this Deshaun Watson stuff coming out. It's kind of a sticky situation over there. Even more lawsuits being piled on. Uh, if you had to guess, is Deshaun Watson suiting up for not a NFL team next season? Because his trade value is probably kind of shot right now, and he wanted out of Houston. So does I don't know if he's going to have any leverage to hold out anymore, or if he even does play this year. Do you do you see Deshaun Watson playing on a NFL roster next season? Uh, well, you know these situations. You know they can go in any which way, Missile. Um, and you never know. I mean. You know, it could be exposed that all 21 women, um, all of these 21 women are liars. Um, but, you know, I mean, if it was one, maybe two, you know, maybe I could see. But, you know, 21 women, it's hard to accuse 21 women of lying. Yeah. Um, and so when there's smoke, there's fire. I think he got, he's in a sticky situation here. Um, his trade ballot, I mean, I saw um, this meme on Facebook and it was Dave Chappelle, like, regular and he's like, only three first-round picks? And then it went, he was the character that he does that's, like, addicted to crack. And uh, it's like, he's like, I'll do it for a bag of chips and $5. Um, <laughs> as Deshaun's trade value. And so, yeah, he does not have any leverage. I don't even, I, I think he's going to get suspended, truth be told. Yeah. Um, for at least a few games, if not the whole season. I mean, this many women coming out. Um so he might not suit up this season. Um, he might. I don't think that. I don't think he's going to be able to sign anywhere else, though, or get traded anywhere else. Um, just because, you know, who who who's going to want to get into that whole dumpster fire right now? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm interested to see what the suspension is. The NFL is very progressive now. They ended racism last year. But um, anyway, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy your opening day. By the way, another big NFL change, rule change. They they voted on the 17-game season, which I think stinks. I think it shows little regard or care for the players, but they, they agreed to it in their collective bargaining agreement, so they kind of let the door open for this. But I, I hate the 17-game season. I know why they did it. You could tell why. Money grab. It's another home game for revenue there. Another television week. You get a ton of revenue there, especially after a pandemic. A lot of teams lost money. Uh, you, you want the extra game. I think it stinks, though. Um, I think it's a perfect amount right now. 16 games, you know what a good team is. You know you know who's good, who's not. Uh, yeah, to seven, I think you're just trying. You're asking for more injuries. Uh, your, your star players are going to get worn down. Uh, I don't like it. Not not a fan. Uh, so, but And, you know, the one team that voted against it was uh, your Chicago Bears. So, don't agree with their front office much at all. Actually, rarely ever. I'm just waiting to see how they butcher this draft. Uh, but I'll give them some props, props there. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. That was a good move uh, from them. Uh, any other big news in the uh, the sporting world? I'm sure there is. But I got some. Well, we got some time to kill. Huh? Let's see. Uh. All of it set for his Nets debut. Huh? Okay. Uh, Bones. Rain was on mine, but happy to be with Pelicans. Oh, yeah, that was another thing. A lot of Bulls fans were upset that we didn't get Lonzo Ball. There's a reason that Lonzo's been traded this many times already. That would have been his third team in, what, like two, three years? Like, come on now. Is he really that good? He's being traded a lot. Like, how come the Lakers? LeBron's a great basketball mind. He tossed out Lonzo Ball like it was a used gum wrapper. He kicked him to the curb quick. And the Pelicans, want to, they want to trade him too? And no, like, don't get me wrong, Lonzo Ball is a true point guard, which the Bulls need. I mean, Tomas Sadoransky, the pride of the Czech Republic, he's doing a fine job, I think, as a point guard. But, uh, you know, he's a true point guard. That's nice. He can facilitate. He plays a little defense. But I don't think he's that great where you're going to give up a money. Who are you giving up? Like, I wouldn't trade Lowry Marketing for him. I wouldn't trade any more draft picks for him. I don't think he needed him that much. I am not losing any sleep over them not getting Lonzo Ball. So, 
you know, what are you going to do there? Oh, yeah, March Madness, too. Finally, we'll, we'll win with, some, win with a little March Madness uh, here. Um, boy, my bracket is getting smoked. Alabama knocked out. One of the best games of the tournament. Uh, they got knocked out, though. So their final four is Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, and Houston. And you know what? I'm going for UCLA, and it's the underdog. And I usually don't like the underdogs this late in the tournament because I like to see a quality game. Like, I would rather see two one seeds in the final. Uh, but UCLA is a very good 11 seed. Like, that's not your typical, like, Cinderella story because that's a good basketball team out of a great conf- co- conference. The Pac-12, you saw what that, that conference did this tournament. Dominant. Uh, I undefeated in the first round, I think, all their teams. And you look at the, even the the uh, Elite Eight, Final Four, USC, Pac-12 team, uh, UCLA, Pac-12 team, Oregon State, Pac-12 team. Sweet 16, you got even more. Uh, you can throw in you know, Oregon. Uh, so the Pac-12, well-represented this year. So that was a great team coming out of a great conference. And I think they got a shot to beat Gonzaga. I'm not saying they will, but they're deep. They're playing hot at the right time, and Gonzaga's kind of had to sleepwalk through this thing. They haven't really been tested in a close game. I want to see what they do in a close game. They've just been blowing teams out. You get Gonzaga in a close game in the second half with under five minutes left, that's not a situation they've been used to this year because they've blown everyone out. Um, so if UCLA can keep it close and they are within five points, five, ten points, you know, it's a close game. Late. I give UCLA a good chance of knocking them off. I would put some, you know, in-game action that late, put, putting the money on UCLA. They've been in some dogfights and came out. In the first game, they almost got knocked out of the tournament by, in the play-on game with Michigan State. But you watch the team. They're firing at all cylinders. That was a great win they had uh, against Michigan, who is a, an exceptional Big Ten team. Um, so I like them. And then I like Baylor against Houston uh, slightly. Both pretty good teams, but I'm taking Baylor. I think Baylor's... Just, you know, they've impressed throughout the tournament. Um, uh, so I guess I'll, I'll go Baylor-Houston, probably be my, my final two. But UCLA, they, they almost upset UCLA. It's like what I said with Loyola. That was a team that's like, do not be surprised. It would not shock me if UCLA won. I mean, I wouldn't consider that like some major, major upset. I think that's they, they match up well against them, just like Loyola did. So that should be a close, should be a close one. Um, I got them covering the spread. What well, let's see what the spread is. I don't know, even know. Let's pull up the line here. The line for UCLA. I, I'm done betting though. I just this is just for shits and giggles. I have what you'd call a addiction, so I'm kind of done. But you know, still fun to look at. Uh, <laughs> wow. Fourteen and a half is the line. Hammer UCLA on that one. Double digit. Lori. 14 and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Put UCLA. UCLA is going to cover that spread. They will, they, will, they will cover the 14 and a half. Your free money pick of the week, UCLA. And with that, that is all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out the High Heater Podcast. You can hear some more of my jackassery on there. And have a wonderful rest of your week. Go White Sox!